0: of you think people are inherently bad? So raise your hand if you think that humanity at its core, um, that we are like good-hearted, well-intentioned people for the most part. Raise your hand. Oh, that's almost anybody. So be brave and speak your truth. How many of you think that at our core when push comes to shove, we are um, selfish and greedy and will protect our own interest? Be brave and raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you for being brave. A couple. Okay, well, that's interesting. Well, um, I have a confession to make tonight, but to understand my confession, you need to understand a little bit about Ultimate Frisbee. So, uh, how many? This is the last poll, I promise, but raise your hand if you've played Ultimate Frisbee. Uh, you know, like a little bit of the rules. Okay, maybe half. So, for those of you who haven't, Ultimate Frisbee, which is mine and Andrew's, um, main hobby is a sport, and it's kind of, it's kind of like football. Um, and at least it's like f- football in that at the beginning of every point, you start with what's basically the same as a kickoff. So one team is on one end, and they're going to be throwing the frisbee as far as they can, like the kickoff, but they, you call it a pull in ultimate. They'll be pulling. And the other team's on the other side waiting to receive the disc. So the pulling team's going to throw the frisbee and then run after it to go play defense. And now, if you're the team that's receiving, whoever's receiving the Frisbee, the disc, they have two choices. Either they can catch it while it's still in the air and start playing from there, or they can wait until it drops and then pick it up and start playing from there. So usually, it's going to be to your advantage to catch it, right? Because you're going to start further forward in a better field position, and you're going to be able to start sooner so you might have a little time before the defense gets down and gets set up. However, catching the pull is risky because if you try to catch it and you drop it, or if you touch it at all on the way down, it's a turnover, and the other team is going to get the disc like right outside your end zone and probably have a really easy score. So does that make sense? So you can let it drop, or you can catch it, but if you touch it on the way down, it's a turnover. Okay, great, you've got Ultimate 101 down. So here's the confession. So one time, we're playing an Ultimate Frisbee game, okay? And I'm on the receiving team, we're about to receive the pull, and the Frisbee comes, and it's coming right towards me. It's going to land like right, almost right in front of me. And for some reason, without thinking, I reach out and knock the Frisbee to the ground. Okay, I have just made a huge and terribly stupid mistake. Right? I have turned over the disc right in front of our end zone. And here's what's worse. Not a ton of people play Ultimate Frisbee in Milwaukee. All of our friends play Ultimate. So not only have I just made this really stupid mistake, I have done it in front of all of our friends. I was so embarrassed that I had done this. You know what I did? I lied. I lied. My friend Laura was on the team we were playing against, and she was coming to play D on me, so she was right in front of me, and she kind of pulls up and she's like, um, that's, that's a turnover, you touched it, and without even missing a beat. No, I didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't. I didn't touch it. And in my head, I'm like, what are you doing? But then, by that point, I was so embarrassed that I had lied that I kept lying. And for the rest of the night, I was, on the outside, really angry, and on the inside, like, so embarrassed and ashamed that I had done this really, really stupid thing, not only of hitting the disc, but worse, of lying about it in front of all my friends. So that's my confession, and here's what I want to know. I want to know, John the Baptist, which family would he have put me in? Which camp would he have put me in? Right, So when we get to our story, John the Baptist, he's out in the desert. He's out in the wilderness, and people are coming to him to confess their sins. And he thinks that some of them don't belong there, that some of them don't deserve to be baptized. And he calls them out in front of everybody, right? Did you catch that in the video? Who does he call out? Who's that, Nikki? The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yes, in verse 7. The Pharisees and the Sadducees. Okay, so Pharisees and the Sadducees, along with the Essenes, are like the three main groups within Judaism at the time. So they're all Israelites, they're all Jewish, but they're from like three different factions. Think kind of like of three different denominations that we would have today. You're all Christian, but different denominations. Or actually, in this case, a better analogy would be our political parties. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees are like Republicans and Democrats. They're the two main parties. And then the Essenes are this much smaller and much more radical group. So think like the Tea Party or the Green Party. So basically what's happening is the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're all in the city at the temple, which is the center of religious and political life at the time. And they're you know, debating. And the Essenes are looking at them and they're like, The stuff happening at the temple is so messed up, it is so corrupt, the system is so broken that nothing short of totally tearing it down is going to do. And so this group, the Essenes, they actually leave the temple, leave the city in protest, including John the Baptist, and go out to live in the desert, in the wilderness. So that's how we get to our story today. John the Baptist is out preaching in the wilderness And remarkably, people from the very system that he is trying to challenge and change come out to him wanting to be baptized. And what does he do? He calls them names, right? You brood of vipers. Basically, he's saying, you children of snakes. You might be literally descendants of Abraham by blood, but by your unjust and immoral actions, you have forfeited your right to consider yourselves children of Abraham, children of God. This is what John says to them. You guys are the trees that need to be chopped down. You are the chaff that needs to be burned in some unquenchable fires. Ouch. That's like some rough stuff. Not such good news for the Pharisees and the Sadducees. But you want to know what the good news of this gospel is? You want to know what I think the good news is? I think the good news is that John the Baptist is not the Messiah. John the Baptist is not the Savior that we have been waiting for. I think there's a reason that God doesn't pick him. There's a reason that we need Jesus and not John. Poor John, he's so close. Seriously, he's like really close to getting what Jesus is going to be about, right? He totally gets that something big is about to happen, that the kingdom of heaven is near, that God is about to break into our world in this decisive and life-changing way. John gets that. And John gets that what's happening in the temple has gotten so far out of control and is so far from how God intends the culture to be. He gets that. John gets that belonging to the family of God has nothing to do with your ancestry. He's got that right. And most importantly, John gets and is not afraid to say the hard truth that there are a lot of things in this world, in our society, and in us, that have no place in the kingdom of heaven. The phrase kingdom of heaven, you'll hear it in the Gospel of Matthew a lot. It's just the way Gospel of Matthew says kingdom of God. Matthew's written to a Jewish audience, and in Jewish culture it's disrespectful to say the name of God, so instead they say kingdom of heaven. But so the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, That is the place where everything is exactly as God intended it to be, right? The kingdom of heaven is the place where God's will and only God's will is done. So like on earth right now in our world, a lot of wills are done, right? My will's done, your will, many wills are done. So there are a lot of things in our world right now that are going to have no place in the kingdom of heaven. And there are things that do need to be chopped down, separated out, maybe even burned in some unquenchable fires. And that's true. And John gets that, and Jesus will get that. But here's what John doesn't get. John thinks that it's about figuring out who's in and who's out. Who are the children of God and who are the children of snakes? And John thinks he has a pretty good idea. He thinks he knows which people are which. What John doesn't understand is that all of us are both. John doesn't understand that all of us are both holy, made in the image of God, and sinners in need of redemption that all of us are both sinners and saints, 100% of both, 100% of the time. And what John really doesn't understand is that Jesus comes not to purge certain people out, but to transform the parts in all of us that are not yet ready for the kingdom of heaven. So the part of me that was so quick to lie during Ultimate Frisbee, that part, not ready yet for the kingdom of heaven. And believe me, that is not the only part of me that is not yet ready for the kingdom of heaven. But the Lord who's coming, John is announcing, the king who is to come, Jesus, who is going to live and die and live again, as the living embodiment of God's promises, that those parts of me that aren't ready yet for heaven, one day those parts of me are going to be gone. And God's promise that in the meantime, while I'm this side of heaven, God is going to take all of my sins and all of my weaknesses and all of my mistakes and use them for something good. Seriously, for something good. Sometimes God uses them to keep me humble, often. Sometimes God uses them to help me be more compassionate towards other people's sins. Sometimes God uses them um, to help me support someone else who's struggling with the same things that I struggle with. Sometimes God uses them just to remind me that I need other people and that I need God. But if John the Baptist were to look at those parts of me, he would say, you child of snakes, you have no place here. But Jesus, Jesus looks at me, at all of me, and says, child of God, fear not, for I bring you good news of great joy. For unto you in the city of David is about to be born a savior, Christ the Lord. And that is good news, my friends. So may it be so for me, for you, for the whole world.